everybody, and welcome back to the Soto Mojo Offseason Podcast. This is site expert Colby Patnode. On today's show, we talk a little bit about the recent flurry of trades uh, that Jerry DePoto has made, including the Ryan Healy for Emilio Pagan trade. Uh, we also will take a brief look at our offseason plan with uh, contributor Soto Mojo contributor Dan Clark. And then we will wrap it up with a general overview of what's been going on in the offseason. But uh, we're going to start off today with our interview with Soto Mojo contributor Dan Clark, where we talk a little bit about Ryan Healy and the offseason plan. Hey guys, we are joined by Dan Clark of SotoMojo.com, and we are here to talk about the Ryan Healy trade and, of course, our offseason plan. So, Dan, let's go ahead and dive right in here. Uh, we'll start with the big trade that the Mariners have made, uh, one of three trades, but the biggest one they've made. The Seattle Mariners have acquired their first baseman for 2018, and it is Ryan Healy, formerly of the Oakland Athletics. So, uh, Dan, what did you think of the trade overall, and what do you think of Ryan Healy as the first baseman? Uh, hi, Colby. How you going, mate? Um, yeah, when I first saw the trade, I was a little bit sort of a little bit hesitant by it, actually. I I was expecting sort of the Mariners to go out and get a free agent first base rather than going the trade option, which looking back on it, it's, hey, it's Jerry DePoto. We probably shouldn't be surprised that he went the trade option. <laughs> but, yeah, I was thinking we were dealing from a place, I suppose, of of weakness. We, we did have a little bit of depth in the bullpen, but it was still, I was still in my sort of off-season plan thinking that we would have needed to add at least one or two sort of bullpen pieces with Pagan. Um, the more and more I've looked at it, I'm gradually, I think, getting a little bit better with it. Um, helps that Healy comes with five years of control. Um, so the first two years of paying in peanuts, basically. Um, and, yeah, I suppose with relievers, relievers can sort of go up and down. I sort of really like Pagan. I'd... Uh, big affection for Pagan. Um, I thought he could have sort of turned into one of those really solid two-inning guys that will always sort of come out of the bullpen. Obviously not in the Andrew Miller sort of level, but that type of production. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I was a little bit sort of bummed at the start. Um, but sort of the more and more I look into it and stuff like that, I, I think, yeah, okay, we... We did pull from an area of weakness, but at least we've got a guy now that um, he does have. I think he can do a bit of bit more improving with his bat, um, and he looked pretty solid. And he killed us last year as well, so I, I think he'll sort of go well at Safeco Field. Yeah, the uh, Safeco Field is a much better hitters park than the Oakland Coliseum, which is weird because Safeco Field's never been known as a hitter's park, but it is much better than uh, than what he's playing down there in Oakland. Um, yeah, you know, I was kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, almost always, if you can get an everyday position player for a relief pitcher, you do the deal. Um, just because relief pitchers tend to come out of nowhere. Um, you know, and there are some guys in the lower minors who, uh, who definitely kind of have that Pagan type of feel to them but they're in the lower minors. I don't think they're going to make your bullpen out of spring training. And this team does still need bullpen help. Um, they went ahead, they 
added a reliever from the Yankees named Nick Rumblow, I believe is how you pronounce it. But he doesn't seem like he's much of a, you know, he's, he's definitely not, doesn't seem like a guy who can fill Pagan's role. Um, as for Healy, I guess my biggest question is, can he learn to take more walks? Um, he has really good power, um, which, but he doesn't strike out much, which is kind of weird when you combine that with a power hitter. Usually got power hitters who don't walk strike out a lot. Um, Healy was at 22% strikeout rate last year. I believe league average is 25. So he doesn't strike out that much, but he just doesn't walk. So he's up there to put the ball in play. Um, so I believe his on-base percentage last year was 301. I think if you can get that into the 330 range with his power, um, I think he'll be a pretty good player for you. And like you said, for five years of control, um, two years at almost nothing of a salary, that uh, that definitely is appealing to the uh, Seattle Mariners and probably Jerry Depoto. So I guess spinning this forward a little bit, uh, what do you think this means for Daniel Vogelbach and his future with the Mariners? Yeah, with Vogelbach, it's... I'm not sure. I don't think they, I don't think he's in the plans. Um, if he was in the plans, he might have sort of looked a bit more of a platoon sort of base. But we've basically got a guy that's sort of come in now that's similar to Volgrak, but is a lot better defensively, hopefully at first base. So I honestly don't see Volgrak being in the organization come spring training. You brought up a good point there at the beginning. You mentioned that, uh, you know, Healy's not a platoon guy, which is, uh, I think, is pretty important. Uh, he hits righties okay, um, above league average. He crushes lefties. And uh, not having a platoon at first base gives you an extra bench spot to play with. So, actually, I think that's a really good point that you bring up about, uh, you know, Vogelback looking like he might need a platoon partner where, uh, where Ryan Healy doesn't seem to need that guy. Do you think the roster flexibility weighed in on this uh, on this trade? Yeah, it could have. It might be a bit of what Depoto was talking about um, with these, how he's going to shape his bullpen um, and how he's going to manage James Paxton and Felix Hernandez. It could be they're going to go with that eight-man bullpen, mm-hmm. which would be, um, yeah, I don't actually mind that. Or even geez, if in a pipe dream we do get, Otani from Japan, if he gets posted sort of in the next couple of days, I think we should find out. If we want to go to that sort of five-and-a-half sort of six-man rotation or something like that to give Otani that extra day in the field. Um, so I think it could be. And the Mariners have tried the, uh, the, the platoon at first base for years and years now, and it, it just hasn't worked. Um, has, we haven't had a decent sort of first baseman, I think, since about... I think the last one I saw that had over about a one WAR was probably Russell Brennan in 2009. I don't think anyone sort of come close to that uh, ever since. So I'm not saying Healy's going to be a, over a one war, but at least he's a young guy. you got a bit of flexibility with him and... If he needs to go back for that six to eight weeks in Tacoma, um, I don't know who he can bring up, but he's got options there that he's able to do that. 
Yeah, just provides a lot more flexibility than Daniel Vogelback would. Um, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I, I would correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we would both say the deal is okay, but we'd like to see what the Mariners do, both with the money they saved and with the potential roster spot they saved. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, me and you were sort of talking there the other day, and we both sort of said, I don't think we can sort of judge trades these days by just one trade. It has to be an overall picture. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit exactly like what you said to me there the other day. I think we should sort of wait and sort of see which way DePoto is going rather than judging trade by trade. Yep. Um, speaking of trades, uh, we got two more. We'll just hit on real quick. Uh, Tiago Vieira, a uh, site favorite over here, was traded to the White Sox for $500,000 of international bonus money. That's just trying to collect as much money as you can for Otani, right? Yeah, I think so. That's basically all that was. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, he was Vieira was a site favorite over here. Um, you loved his raw fastball, but yeah, he he still had a lot of work to do before he was going to turn into a, a good major league sort of reliever. So, like you said, another five hundred thousand to add the the bid for Otani. Hopefully, we sort of were in the mix for that, um, and yeah, sort of see how we go. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe that the Mariners make that trade if they didn't have some kind of idea that they were, you know, definitely one of the realistic options for Otani. There's there's also a few uh, other minor league guys who are uh, getting released today by the Braves. Um, so, you know, there, there's other guys to spend that money on, but it certainly seems like a pull for Otani. And then the uh, the deal that happened, was it yesterday, Sunday? Uh, we had a, a minor deal with the Yankees. The Yankees get J.P. Spear and uh, Juan Then, uh, awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, the Mariners get back Nick Rumbelow, I believe. Um, you know, it's a minor deal. Um, neither Then or Spears was going to be up this year. Uh, maybe not next year. Rumbelow still got six years of control with a pretty good fastball changeup combo. Um, but the Mariners did definitely give up some upside for a uh, an up- upside in the future for a pretty high floor now. So, do you have any thoughts on that trade, Dan? Um, not not too many. I, like you said, it's a bit of a, a minor trade. Um, I did like sort of JP Sears, was it? Sorry. Um, yeah. And just his deception. Um, he didn't throw all that hard, but he just he always had high strikeout numbers. Um, just with that deception, I think he was probably like you said, two to three years away. Um, but it's just sort of yeah. I think Depoto trying to lift that floor a little bit um, with the. 20 to 25 sort of fifth guys on the roster and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't have sort of too much sort of thought on that trade. All right. So now that we got all of Jared Poto's uh, business out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of our business here at the website. Our off-season plan dropped about a month ago or a week ago. <laughs> Sorry, it dropped out a week ago, and uh, it's already all blown to hell. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our big spend, really, our only spend – was uh, Carlos Santana at first base. Uh, so clearly that's not going to happen. So I don't know if we need to spend all that much time talking about that. I will say, though, that San- the what to do at first base was easily our hardest decision, wouldn't you say, Dan? There's yeah, a lot of really good options. 
Yeah, yeah, there was, there was. Um, yeah, I think that was the one that we sort of went backwards and forwards on a fair bit when we were when we were talking about first base. So, yeah, like you said, it blew it out of the water now. So, so uh, we'll see how much our plan is still relevant. But uh, I guess we'll just start uh, right at the top here. You and I both, and really it was almost a site consensus that uh, Gerard Dyson coming back to be the center fielder with a pretty strict platoon with Guillermo Heredia. Uh, the figure we came up with and agreed to was a one-year, $6.5 million deal with a mutual option worth $7.5 million in 2018. So, uh, Dan, why do you think we all pretty much unanimously decided to bring Gerard Dyson back instead of going after Lorenzo Cain or Carlos Gomez? I think one of the main reasons was how well Dyson went about with the outfield this year. Uh, I think when he went down sort of late, late August, early September, he was in the top two or three war for uh, for the Mariners, basically. Um, so we love his defense, we love his speed, love the athleticism. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a really good way to keep the defense in the outfield, keep Honeyger in right field instead of sort of center field where he would probably handle, but the defense would sort of go down a little bit. Um, and like you said, if we can get him at that six point five million with the mutual option, I think it's sort of it's good to sort of only spend that much there and well we had intended of using some of that money on Carl Santana, but now we can change it up a little bit and just go on the starting pitching. Yeah, but I think that's probably the best uh place to spend the money. So I would I would say that um, you know, we have the extra $16, $17 million that we weren't planning on having in our original plan. I still like Dyson in center field as a platoon partner with uh, Heredia. And like you said, you could spend the money on starting pitching um, instead of, you know, Lorenzo Cain. And uh, speaking of starting pitching, well, <laughs> the next part of our plan was to sign uh, Jaime Garcia, of the formerly of the Cardinals. And last year, let me see if I can name all the teams he pitched for last year. Uh, the Braves, the Twins, and the Yankees, I believe. So, uh, but yeah, we had the Mariners signing Jaime Garcia to a two-year, $16 million deal. Uh, Dan, you originally were looking, and a couple of us were actually looking at Chris Tillman. So if you want to talk about why you like Chris Tillman, and then I'll kind of talk about why we decided to go on to uh, Jaime Garcia here. Yeah, I thought... With Chris Tillman, he's that sort of Jerry DePoto classic, pick him up off the rubbish heap and just give him a one-year deal, maybe even a minor league deal, just to see if he can get back to where he was um, sort of 18 months ago. Like he, was, he wasn't real good this year. I think the last half of 2016, he probably wasn't real good then either. But it's just that typical sort of, like I said, Jerry move of, giving a guy a one-year deal, seeing if a change of scenery, a change of pitching coach might sort of get him back to, to where he was. So that was sort of my thinking with that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not a bad idea. Um, I was into it until – we'll get to the move a little later. Uh, we had the Mariners acquiring another starting pitcher who kind of was Chris Tillman-esque, and we didn't want to add two guys like that into the same plan. Um Tillman could easily replace the name of this other guy that we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, I think the reason we went for Jaime Garcia, there were two main reasons. Um, 
Number one, uh, maybe three main reasons. Number one, he's a little bit better than Chris Tillman, um, at least on paper. Uh, number two, he's a lefty, and I don't know if the Mariners buy into wanting two lefties into their rotation or not, but most teams are going to be very hesitant to have four right-handed pitchers in their rotation, and Jaime Garcia is a lefty. And uh, finally, Jaime Garcia is a ground ball machine, uh, which is, you know, the Mariners went into last season saying they wanted fly ball pitchers, and they say that, of course, you know, the year where every fly ball turns into a home run. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, there was a home run, there was a fly ball revolution, that's what players tried to hit, and they were trying to hit home runs. And so Jerry DePoto kind of walked into that buzzsaw accidentally. Uh, I mentioned he made a correction where he uh, went ahead and he traded for Mike Leake in August, who's another heavy ground ball guy. And I just felt that Jaime Garcia gives the Mariners a good blend of having a couple, three ground ball guys and two kind of predominantly fly ball guys in the rotation. I just thought he balanced out the bullpen a little, or the rotation a little bit better. So uh, that's why ultimately uh, we ended up going with Jaime Garcia. But really, pick a name, <laughs> pick a veteran starter and throw him on the pile, right? Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of guys in that sort of same, same, I suppose, class as Jaime Garcia. Um, but yeah, I'm after sort of looking at the numbers a little bit closely, about 50. I think it's 56% yeah. ground ball rate. That that really stands out. So hey, why not make it a, a fourth team within 12 months, basically? So. Yeah. That's, that's All right, so the next step on our plan, this one still applies. Uh, sign Jake McGee to a two-year, $17 million deal. Dan, you're the big Jake McGee fan here. I certainly don't dislike him, but this, uh, this section of the plan was all you. So uh, tell me what you like about Jake McGee and why you think he's a fit here in Seattle. Yeah, I think I think Jake McGee can be really good uh, in in Seattle. I'm just trying to sort of go back through my numbers and stuff like that of a story that I've been working on, but I just can't find it at the moment. Um, I just love that he gets a lot of right-handers out as well as left-handers. I think we've got to sort of go away from just getting a left-hander just to try to get left-handers out, um, especially with DePoto saying that he's going to manage the bullpen a little bit differently. Um, yeah, that even because you get a guy like Zabczynski, who's just a bit of a, a one trick pony that's meant to get left handers out and he doesn't, it's sort of, yeah, it's just not worth having him on the roster. So yeah, like I said, I just can't quite find the numbers there at the moment, but I've always been sort of a big Jack McGee fan. Um, one of the guys down here in Australia that I talk to a lot about sort of baseball, Jack, he's also me and he have spoken sort of a while for about Jack McGee. He's a Brewers fan, so he's sort of looking at him as well. So, Yeah, McGee's very interesting. Um, I thought I had the numbers here in front of me. Um, I don't have the splits in front of me, but I do remember that. I think Jake McGee is actually a little bit better against righties than he is lefties, and he's still, you know, he's still really good against both. Uh, last year he uh, had a 1.09 whip with uh, 9.1K per nine. Um, yeah, you know, the Mariners are going to go spend money on their bullpen. And I think maybe that might be the tactic they take. I think their plan might be to go get Otani and then spend your money on the bullpen, which uh, I wouldn't be upset about. But, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, the more I looked at Jake McGee, the more I thought he made sense. Um, you know, he's kind of similar to James Pazos in that, you know, they're both lefties who can get 
righties out and have two uh, two pretty good pitches to go with it. So I like Jake McGee. I like the idea of signing Jake McGee to a two-year, $17 million deal. Um, and before we move on, it is worth noting that uh, our offers, our salaries that we're offering these guys, they're educated guesses, but we certainly have no idea what the market is going to be paying these guys. So these are just guesses, take them for what they're worth. But I feel like we're pretty close on a lot of these. So uh, just take that with a grain of salt. So you mentioned Mark Zepchinski there. Um, the next step in our plan is to trade Mark Zepchinski basically for whatever you can get. Um, and the example we use is we trade Zepchinski in $3 million to the Rockies for a 4A outfielder named Noel Cuevas. Um, that's actually that's been on my plan for a long time. Um, I like Cuevas as a lottery ticket. And in talking with our friends over there at, uh, I believe the website is Rocks Piles. Um, I'm not 100% sure there. But uh, the Rockies are looking for left-handed relievers. Um, and Zepchinski has a 70% ground ball rate, which is probably pretty appealing in Colorado. So I just, like you said, Zepchinski is kind of a one-trick pony. And even if you can only save a million dollars by trading him, I think that's probably a million dollars that you can spend better elsewhere. So, uh, Dan, are you on board with trading Mark Zepchinski? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, he's a bit of a, a one-trick pony who didn't even do that trick real well last year. So, um, yeah, no, I think we've been sort of talking a while about Brad Scrabble. I think he's, I'd be surprised if we see him uh, in the spring training this year. But like you said, if we can save a million dollars, hey, that pays Edwin Diaz and Ryan Healy's contract for this season. That's right. So we're not going to spend too much time on Scrabble. So let's jump ahead to, I guess, kind of our big trade this offseason. Um, the proposal we have is that the Mariners trade Max Posey, Luis Liberato, and Dan Altavilla, which might not be a good idea now after <laughs> DePoto's trades. Uh, but they're trading him to Tampa Bay for Jake Odorizzi. Um, Odorizzi has been a part of, I think, both of our plans since the very beginning since we started this. So what is it that you like about Odorizzi and why is he worth trading some pretty good pieces for? Yeah, I think, I think Odorizzi is sort of one of those guys that you can, you can plug in and go, right, he's going to give us 160 to 200 innings each year. Um, I like his, his cap and on rate. It's about eight per nine. Um, career ERA of 3.83. And uh, 4.23 fielders independent pitching, um, and he's still got those two years of club control, which I think we can sort of, if hey everything blows up this year, we can still sort of trade him off halfway through season and still get some return. Whereas if it was more of a one-year deal, and just getting someone for one year, like there's not much value there for two and a half months of the season, basically. Um, yeah, I've always sort of like Odorizzi back in the, like watching him in Tampa Bay and things like that. And I think he'll sort of do really well at Safia Field again. Yep. Um, Odorizzi uh, got bit by the home run ball last year. He is a fly ball pitcher, uh, pretty extreme. But like you mentioned, he does get a pretty high amount of strikeouts. Uh, right at eight, right at eight strikeouts per nine over his uh, last three seasons. Um, you know, he doesn't walk a lot of guys either. Um, He's kind of a middle-of-the-rotation guy, and like you mentioned, you know, this is probably where people are saying, why not just sign Chris Hillman and keep your assets? 
that might be that might be a viable option here. But I think Odorizzi has a higher upside. He's only 28, and like you mentioned, if things go south here, he still is going to have pretty solid trade value. So I don't think the prospects you're losing, I I still think you can get something similar to that, or maybe even just a step down for Odorizzi. And if he is what you know his upside turns out to be, then you have a really solid number three starter. So I think that's probably why we went ahead and paid the price for Odorizzi instead of giving money to, you know, Jeremy Hellickson or one of those guys. So um, I'm with you on that. I still really like Odorizzi. Um, I think we'll, I think the deal would have to be a little bit different with the uh, other bullpen pieces to Poto's already traded, but Odorizzi will be dealt this year. That's a guarantee. Um, Tampa Bay needs to move salary and he will be dealt. And I think DePoto likes him. So I, I would not be shocked at all if we see Jake Odorizzi in the opening day rotation for the Seattle Mariners. Definitely, yeah. And, hey, Jerry DePoto loves trading with the Rays. So there's always yeah. – if you're wearing a Tampa Bay uniform, Jerry DePoto seems to like you. So fingers crossed. All right. So the next couple are pretty quick. Uh, we, our original plan called for trading Erasmo Ramirez and Anthony Jimenez to the Twins for Zach Granite, kind of as a fourth outfielder. But again, this was about us trying to clear money so that we can afford Carlos Santana. So if Santana's not an option anymore, and we don't think he is, does it still make sense to trade Erasmo just to save $4.5 million? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, especially with, like we said, sort of trading Pagan out of the bullpen. Um, I'd be surprised if Erasmo is still here in spring training next year, but... Hey, he, he pitched really well for the Tampa Bay in their bullpen this year. So push comes to shove and we're still going to ask that. We can put him out in the bullpen and do that those two and three inning sort of jobs. So. Yep. And Erasmo will forever be the guy who proved us all wrong. But uh, <laughs> Definitely. I, I would love to have him around, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't know if it makes sense to move him now, but we'll see what happens. Um and we'll just go ahead and move on. Thanks for saving our season, Erasmo. Kind of. You tried. <laughs> yeah, he tried. Um, the, next, yeah, the next item on the agenda there was the Carlos Santana deal. That's not going to happen. So we'll move ahead to a little bit of uh, what I call housekeeping, taking care of your own. Uh, the final step on our offseason plan, we wanted to sign Hisashi Iwakuma to a minor league deal, which kind of sounds like that might be happening. Um, there are new news recently that the Mariners have offered Iwakuma a contract. I can't imagine that this early in the offseason, the Mariners are going to give Iwakuma much more than, you know, a league minimum deal or even a minor league deal. So if they bring Iwakuma back in those terms, Dan, you okay with that? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I don't think it'll be sort of a major league deal. It's a minor league deal with sort of high incentives. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to sort of see him back, but not on any guaranteed money or anything like that. Right. The deal we proposed was a minor league deal with monthly opt-outs. So you can opt out on May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, whenever he wants, if he thinks there's an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. Um, then we said there is a $1 million base salary if he gets added to the 40-man roster with incentives for every starting makes, probably something about $50,000. So uh, I think with that deal, that's all gravy for the Mariners if Iwakuma end up make, ends up making 30 starts. Uh, he's going to, you know, far ex, far exceed that, uh, that valuation anyways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm all for that one. 
All right, so we still haven't heard any news recently about Drew Smiley, um, but it is our belief that we the Mariners need to work out some kind of deal with Smiley. Um, he's scheduled to make $6 million this year in arbitration, I believe. I don't think the Mariners can afford to pay him $6 million to sit out this year. Um, but I do think a deal, maybe a two- or three-year deal, where he gets $1 million, $1.5 this year, and, uh, you know, Six seven million dollars next year with some incentives makes sense. So Dan, what say you on Drew Smiley? First of all, can the Mariners afford to pay him a full salary this year? No, I, uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think that's just sort of throwing money at the wall, basically. Um, he only had Tommy John in July. Um, you don't really want him to come back this year. Um, if he comes back in sort of September, in sort of like rehab, sort of stats, I suppose, just to sort of get a little bit of a feel for it. That's fine. But I wouldn't even sort of think of putting any incentives in it for this year just no. because you don't want to rush him back at all. Um, like you said, million, million and a half for this year. And then even if he goes six, seven, seven million next year, plus incentives of, like you said, say, oh, we go 500 grand at 70, 100 125, 150 innings and stuff like that. I think that yeah. sort of is closer to what we should be looking at. Yep. And then finally, uh, we had a little bit of extra money to spend at the end of our plan here. So we decided to throw it at a veteran backup catcher because why not? Um, you were one of the guys who mentioned Rene Rivera early. So what is it about Rivera that you like and why is he worth the uh, one-year deal worth $3 million that we gave him? Yeah, I think... With Rivera, I think he's just he's really reliable with his defense. Um, and sort of the more and more we got into the off-season planning and discussion and stuff like that, I think I sort of went a little bit further away from that and just giving uh, Mike Majima the backup, backup roles. But it's one of those contracts where if you wake up um, in Australia overnight and you say, first thing you see is the Mariners of the signs, Rene Rivera for... One year, three million. You go, okay. Well, that'll give Zanino's bit of rest and keep him fresh. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so that's kind of the off-season plan. Like I said, uh, Jerry Depoto threw quite a monkey wrench. Um, the original plan, the final, or I should say, the final uh, plan that we presented would add forty-two million dollars to the Mariners' payroll, but that included sixteen going to uh, to Carlos Santana. So I guess before I let you go here, Dan. Um, the Mariners, in our plan, at least have $16 million extra million to play with. What would you like to see them do with it? Um, I definitely think they need a bit more starting pitching. As much as I'd love to see a team in the Mariners, I still think it's a dream. So I think uh, it's going to kill me to say, I think he's going to go to the Yankees. Um, but, yeah, so we're, we're still going to spend it on starting pitching. And if not there in the bullpen. Um, I still think we need at least one, personally, two more starting pitches. I think you can only sort of go in if you want to compete with the Astros with Paxton, Felix and Leak hanging over from last year. Any sort of rotation that starts with the Marco Gonzalez's, the Andrew Moores and stuff like that, I don't think that's... I think that's going to be a little bit of a failure this year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely 
going for starting pitching. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Maybe you take that $16 million and you, instead of signing Jaime Garcia, you take what you would have given him and you take that $16 million and you give it to you, Darvish, or somebody like that. Um, but yeah, that, that, that wraps up. The, go ahead. Uh, sorry, especially with you, Darvish, like if, if you happen to sign him before Atani signs, apparently you, Darvish, is Atani's idol. So, hey, that might even be enough to go, oh, okay, well, if Darvish is playing in Seattle, Seattle's closest distance-wide to Japan, um, there's a big sort of Japanese um, part yeah. of Seattle. Um, hey, let I might just go there so, instead. I think so. And and if you do sign Darvish, trying to get Otani, and yeah, you don't you get Otani, hey, right? you still got Darvish. So I right? think you and I are on the same page, yeah. and that is that nothing we talked about matters if you don't if you just go get Shohei Otani. <laughs> so. Uh, we're going to let Dan exactly. go here. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us and talking about the off-season plan. And, uh, yeah, no worries. you know, we'll have another Mariners trade or signing to talk about next week when we get back. 